and welcome to Let Me Bore You to Sleep. My name is Jason Newland and please only listen to this juicy podcast when you can safely close your eyes. Now, I'm doing something very different to what I normally do when I make these recordings, and I'm quite excited about it. And when I tell you, I think you're also going to be quite excited also. Because, you know, I've done quite a few of these, 160 or something. Um, I don't know, I wonder how many there is. How many have I done? Let me have a little look. And you may think, well, how can I see how many I've done? If, I'm, if, he, if he's sitting in his big black squeaky chair, like he always does, how is he able to see how many sessions he's done because I don't remember and I have done 162 episodes of this podcast so that's about 162 hours roughly it's quite a lot we think about it for 8 40, 80, 160, and that's over a month of working full time, if you did 40 hours a week, that's a whole month, or Twenty-four. I don't know. I can't work it out, but I think it's twenty-four hundred and sixty, three hundred and twenty. So that's about six, six whole days, non-stop. Twenty-four hours a day for six days. Does that work out right? Something like that. And, you know, I really don't suggest you listening for six whole days because, yeah, seek help if if you did that because that wouldn't be right. You need to eat and, you know, do other things. Um, You could potentially listen all night. You have it on repeat or you know, uh, listen to the podcast and just let it play each episode if that was useful, but six whole days, that's too much. I think six whole days of anything is kind of too much because eventually you're going to want to go to sleep. That's, you know, apart from this, I mean, obviously if this 
helps you sleep. But I'm thinking of other other things, you know, like playing table tennis or sunbathing or I don't know, sitting in a jacuzzi. Imagine six whole days of that. It'd just disappear, wouldn't you? I reckon. Or a sauna. Wow. Imagine six days in a sauna. You would have the clearest skin, but that's because that's all you'd be, is skin. There'd be nothing left. So, I remember years ago, right? I'll come to the exciting bit in a minute, but years ago, I was working in a Buddhist shop, a Buddhist charity shop. Um, it was run by a Buddhist charity, but it wasn't a charity shop. It was a gift shop called Evolution. And uh, my friend... No, yeah, we did the Christmas. You know, it's busiest time of the year generally in retail anyway especially gift shops had you know times of the year when it's busy like I don't know like Mother's Day um, Valentine's Day perhaps Christmas that was it really they were the main times but Christmas was probably 80% of the profit for the year I'm making that up, but it sounds good. Anyway, like a lot of places that work over Christmas, we had our Christmas party in January. But it wasn't, because it was a Buddhist thing, it wasn't a party. So there was no going out drinking or anything like that. Not that you know, there's any law against it, but the idea with, uh, <laughs> I'm laughing as I say it, because the idea of no intoxicants, which is the point, you know, you don't, no drink, no drugs, no cigarettes, no, all that stuff. I kind of didn't tick any of those boxes, to be fair. But even coffee, you could say coffee's an intoxicant. Being in love is definitely an intoxicant. It's the biggest intoxicant there is, isn't it? It's the what better feeling in the world than being in love, falling in love. And I've never won the lottery. I imagine that's got to be, you know, winning millions of pounds or dollars. It's got to be up there. seeing your child well not seeing your child being born but uh, the period afterwards you know when you first see your child because um, I imagine seeing your child being born is kind of it's a mixture isn't it it's probably the most disgusting thing you've ever seen and it's the most beautiful thing you've ever seen so it's kind of it's got to be a weird and emotional thing. 
because it's terrible what I'm going to say, but I know it's childbirth is, uh, you know, it's, it's a challenging experience for the lady giving birth, perhaps in many cases course I've never had a baby so I don't know but you know I've been constipated but I'm not saying it's the same thing I'm just saying that I'm going to move on very quickly so the thing is when you're giving birth you don't have to you don't get to see it do you but the person you ever end gets to see it and it's it's you know I've I remember once I saw it on a film, the beginning of a film, there was no warning. I mean, it should have been rated 18 or something. And it started off with a baby being born. I wasn't prepared for that. But, you know, I was thinking about it. A lot of people say it's magical, which I'm sure it is. But then... Butterflies and frogs. That's more magical in a way, isn't it? Because you think that transformation from something, from one animal into another, the tadpole then becomes a frog. The caterpillar lives its life as a caterpillar, going along its business ruining as many crops as possible you know trying to annoy people with allotments just go on I'm going to eat that cabbage I'm going to eat that lettuce I don't know the difference although lettuce is a bit more juicy cabbage you need to boil it really but I'm a caterpillar so I don't know can't hold a saucepan and then they just become, you know, get a cocoon and then come out as this beautiful butterfly. Completely different species. Completely different animal. It's not an animal, but you know what I mean. You know what I mean. And, uh, I just, I find that magical. And I was having a conversation with my friend. And I said, well, what if... Because we're thinking about... What if you could stop the process of transformation? Would it live forever? Would it... You know, what would happen if you could stop that? And my friend said, well, how could you stop a caterpillar cocooning and becoming a butterfly and I thought if you chase the caterpillar just keep chasing it it won't have time to stop to become all cocooned and therefore it won't be able to turn into a butterfly because it'll be too busy looking behind itself running. 
So I don't know if this thesis of mine, if I could, you know, this theory, this idea would be provable with research and I'm not sure if I'd be able to get funding but at the same time I'm not really that bothered about it but I do love the idea of the I'm quite fascinated with the transformation and more so than the creative process of a species being born. I also think that we're going to find out in the future, like with animals and dogs, you know, they can have lots of different, lots of different dogs can, uh, let's say a female dog might sleep around and uh, you know be very carefree and uh, you know gets pregnant and they can have like a mix of different dogs all together and you know again I'm not sure if that's true but I think it is might be and I wonder if that's actually possible with humans but we don't know yet Again, that's why I was just juggling those ideas around yesterday. There wasn't much on television, if I'm honest. Anyway. I, as I said, I've got a little bit of... It's not interesting news, really. It's just... Instead of sitting down on my big black chair, my big black squeaky chair, I'm standing up. And I thought, and I said, it's not that exciting. It seemed exciting when I was about to tell you, but once I actually, once it verbalizes, it's like, oh, well, you know, it wasn't really, I'm not sure if it's changed all that many lives. By announcing it, I'm not sure I get many comments from people saying, "You know what? I felt like I was walking through my life in a daze, in some kind of like zombie-like state." And then I listened to you, and when you said that you were standing up, the fog cleared in my mind, and suddenly I could see. All the possibilities that life holds for me, and it was transformational, very much like a caterpillar being cocooned. A caterpillar that hasn't been chased, so they had time to settle in its little silk. Uh, pajamas or whatever it is because it's like a little magic act isn't it really 
caterpillars turning into butterflies. Because you know when you see a magic act and you see like a a lady, or could be a man, but you know the assistant, the magician's assistant, would get into a cage and then they'd pull the covers over and turn the cage around and it'd go wibbly wobbly woo and whatever the magic words were there'd be music and then it'd go and there'd be lights and everything they'd pull the cover off and it was a lion it's very similar to the butterfly isn't it really caterpillar and the butterfly the magician's assistant and the lion I think it would be more interesting if they pulled it over pulled the thing and there was a caterpillar there instead of a lion because that would be confusing Especially for people in the back row, because they wouldn't be able to see what it was. They just think, wow, that's great, she's, she's disappeared. But the people in the front row will be going, no, she hasn't just disappeared, she's transformed into. Wait a sec, let's, let's get a little bit closer. Oh, it's a little caterpillar. See, that's what I think would be nice. Even better, I think they should start off with a lion and then turn it into a human. And then the animal, animal rights should come along and say, that's enough, this is outdated. We need to protect our animals. They can't be taken advantage of and made to do tricks anymore. That's enough of that. And then they take the human and put them in into a zoo with a bunch of lions. Ah, maybe that. That maybe that be wrong. I have to bang the wrong gong. Bong. So the plan this is that I'm going to walk around my flat I'm in the middle of tidying and if you saw it you'd probably think I was in the middle of just putting stuff on the floor but that's part of the tidying process isn't it making a mess it's it's just I mean, there's no point having a bath until you're dirty is there so sometimes when it's bath time <laughs> my monthly bath and sometimes I kind of think you know what I need to roll around in some mud first you know it's just this, we're all the same I'm sure everyone does it so it's about getting the best out of the bath I don't feel that a bath is being 
successful until I have to call a plumber because of all the muck and dirt has blocked up all of the tubes all of the system in the whole building that's what I know that's been a worthwhile bath of course the council aren't too happy but hey doesn't cost me anything you could say what bad dignity but I let that go about 20 years ago dignity pride what's pride I got no pride I don't bother with pride I ain't got time for that ain't got time so I was going to give you a tour of my flat but instead what I'm going to do is tell you about my books so I've sorted my books into categories excuse me which I used to do I said excuse me because I just let out a big burp big smelly gassy burp but it's okay it's uh oh, only I can smell it still don't smell as bad as the carpet thanks Andre thanks for using the carpet as your personal anal wiper so I've got my little bookcase well it's a bit of it's taller than me so it's probably I'm about six foot six so it's got to be about seven foot tall or if I was five foot eight it'd probably be about five ten high but of course because I'm so tall in fact I'm so tall that there's no measurements that can actually measure me you know when you go into the doctors or hospital you get an examination and they take your, you know, your weight and your blood pressure and they go to do your height. I'm too tall, but it doesn't go. It doesn't go high enough. It's uh, basically what they write is uh, just wow next to the height. Just wow because I'm just a so tall. So I've got this bookcase it's a black bookcase I've had it for a while and it's got I can't have shelves at the bottom because Andre knocks everything off the shelves I mean everything and he'll keep doing it keep doing it and keep doing it he never gets bored his favourite thing is basically anything that annoys me that's his favourite hobby so I've got one, two, three, four shelves where I could have six. And on the top of the bookcase, look at it now, it's just behind my desk or my table. So I sit with my back to it. Not now though, because I'm standing with my front to it. But I don't normally stand with my front to it because it's a bit boring really just to stand there like this 
I, I don't know what else I would do. I mean, I could. I'm looking at it, but you know, the television's behind me. The chairs behind me as well to the left. Television's behind me to the right. And the laptop screen is facing the other way, so I can't even see that. Of course, I suppose I could turn the laptop around, but that would involve putting in effort, and I like the least effort is my preference in all situations. Um, I'm surprised I haven't been run over. Seriously, I don't... The idea of having to keep turning my head to sort of check for traffic. I do it, but I just... Sometimes I can't be bothered. I turn my whole body. I do. I just turn my whole body around. You know like you do when, you've got, when your neck is maybe a little bit... You know, maybe... I'm not... I've, I'm treading into... I've trodden onto something. Trod on plastic and it's stuck. To my foot. Well, not my foot, but to my slippers or my crocs that I wear. On my feety. Anyway, I forget what I was talking about because the plastic on my feet has distracted me from whatever little golden nuggets I was producing. So, on that bookcase in front of me, the black bookcase, I have, I bought it in Argos. See, Argos is all right. I had them delivered. You know, when I had them delivered, I bought five bookcases because they were on special offer. You know, they had an offer if you buy, or if, did I get six? So if you get, if you bought more than a certain amount, there was like 25% discount. So I took advantage of their discount that they offered me. Now the delivery man, he was not happy. Which I was quite surprised because I assumed he was getting paid. So um, he was moaning. He said, "Why well, you bought so many?" It's like what? He said, "What?" And I, I just thought, you know what? It's one of those situations where it's just not any point getting into a conversation with them it's like oh because well not until he got all the stuff delivered I want to make sure he got everything up the stairs first before I was going to be rude to him or rude back but then I didn't bother I just said thank you love you I just gave him a little kiss and he went away he seemed happy enough then None of that happened, but yeah, he was a bit like, mm, "Why have you ordered so much?" Mm. 
Like, well, because that's how retail works. You buy stuff. I mean, unless there's some kind of rationing on bookcases that I'm not aware of. But I didn't say that to him. So I've got these bookcases. And I've got, how many I've got now? I've got one, two, three, four. So I've got four. I'm going to go into the bedroom now. Yeah, I've got four bookcases. I had six and I gave two away because I couldn't be bothered with them. Because I already put four up and that was just, that was enough. I, did, I just didn't, uh, I just, I shouldn't have really given them away. I've got to stop giving my stuff away, but it, I just couldn't, the effort it took to kind of put them together, four was enough. Plus, I don't have enough books to fill them at the moment, although I'm working on that. And I hopefully will end up getting my book collection up. So, so this bookcase, the one in front of me, that I am looking at right this second. See the curtains on the right hand side of me, so the window's there. I always find that's the best place to put the curtains. And the, it's actually light outside now because it's four minutes past five in the morning. I'm not even tired, which is weird. So... Oh, I am now. Well, that changed quickly. And I whistled as well when I said that. Sorry. I can't say quick without whistling sometimes. But now, every time I say quick, I won't whistle. Quick, quick, quick. It won't, won't whistle. It's when I, it's like I catch myself. You know, it's like when I, when I go to say it, I say it correctly. My mouth is ready. But when I say it really quickly, it's like my mouth, there's a part of my tongue that's just not ready to do it. I think my tongue just gets lazy, like the rest of me, and just nods off. And perhaps is reading a book or. I don't know, on Facebook or whatever. And then suddenly I say the word quick, really quickly. And like it whistles. Honestly, I hear dogs barking when I say quick, quickly. Because of the high whistle thing. So, on this bookcase, I have a picture. It's in a little frame me and my nan and I'd say it's from about 2000 and eleven, two thousand and ten. Mind you, it might have been a lot longer than that because 
I don't have a beard. And I've had a beard pretty much for absolute years and years and years and years. But the only pictures, and that's a picture that my dad put into the frame. And it's a frame that I bought my nan from the gift shop that I used to work in. And that would have been in the 2000s, 2004, 2005, 2006, 2007, something like that. So I'm not sure how long ago that picture was taken. But I'm wearing a red jumper that I had until a couple of years ago. And it was full of holes. I don't mean just the standard holes, you know, so I could put my hands through and get my neck into it my head through but just other holes like uh, I think under the arms the elbows around the nipples <laughs> it's weird I don't know how that I don't know but it just wore out probably it's probably more to do with the washing machine than anything else because my jumper was having a relationship with a washing machine I only found out probably six months into it I didn't realise but they were meeting up and going out and you know that's why just the wear and tear and I was like where's my jumper gone where's it gone didn't know I asked the socks the socks said don't ask us we know nothing I was like okay you know when you kind of know that there's there's more going on than you realise so I went to my underpants I said look I spoke to the socks you share the same uh, drawer what's going on you must hear things and my underpants they said look I'll be do you want to be I can, can I be honest with you I said yeah he said look Even if we knew what the socks have been, you know, talking about in the drawer, drawer that we share, I don't think we'd tell you. I said, why not? And they said, there was only one pair of underpants that was talking, but the, the idea that all of them would be talking is ridiculous and he said he said or she it's hard to tell um, I don't know how do you how do you sex a pair of underpants how do you figure out which you know why would you want to anyway the, the pants the underpants said to me look what we do you know we don't really we don't really class you as a friend what do you mean I said well look, well look what our job is look where we live most of the time well, that's why we like it in the drawer because it's better than what happens when you take us out of the drawer like oh that's nice what a lovely image here's me 
thinking that we had a close relationship, but no, no, no. It's all this uh, unsaid stuff. Mm. And uh, my jeans told me everything about the jumper because they they used to date and jeans was jealous so that's what happened do you ever start telling a story and you kind of wish you hadn't started and you're thinking oh you kind of want it to end you want to finish the story but you kind of just want to stop halfway through and talk about something else yeah so this bookcase this is a picture of me and my nan and for some reason my dad you know when I moved into this flat my dad got a picture frame and he filled it with pictures like uh, just pictures a couple of them with me and them like family stuff uh, it's in a storage room somewhere but yeah I had it on the wall when he was there and every picture of me is me without a beard like clean shaven yet I've had a beard now pretty much solidly it's not always a big beard sometimes it's a small beard but pretty much solidly since 2002 2003 so you know that's 16 years at least and before that I had a beard-ish most of the time from the age of 18 onwards. I had a few little periods when I didn't. So even when I was working at the weekends or uh, and I needed to shave, I'd shave on a Saturday night. And then I wouldn't shave again until the following Saturday night. So I'd have a beard by the end of the week because it grows pretty quick. It wouldn't be a big, big massive beard you know I wasn't able to braid it or put little flowers in it or anything it wasn't that kind of beard I didn't look like a hell's angel but it was still a beard you know but my dad he doesn't have for some reason I think he's anti-beards he's prejudiced against beards I mean, I didn't think he'd ever run out of things to be prejudiced against. Clearly, he must have done if he's gone to beards. So, that picture of me and my nan does not represent me. In fact, I wouldn't put it past him if that picture's been photoshopped. He's gone online and just found a you know someone without a beard and just stuck that on the bottom of my face. 
that would explain why it's a different wait a minute so we have a better look at it that's not even my chin I can't believe it that's not my chin it's not even the same colour it's a different wow nicer chin than mine but still you know, if you've got a picture of yourself it's nice to have your own chin isn't it plus in that picture it looks like I've got more than one one chin I almost look overweight and I'm, I'm proper skinny I'm so skinny Six foot six and really, really slim. Blonde hair. Like an Adonis, really. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, you could tell by my voice that I'm, I'm like, the, like a dream. <laughs> I'm a, good thing about voices is you can be that person can be any thing you want them to be so I spent years working on phones not you know like answering telephone calls and speaking on the phone and guarantee I bet you guaranteed that I wouldn't be able to guess what any of the people looked like from their voice it's just really really difficult it's uh, so my book collection here's the bookcase what I've done is I have the first shelf and the second shelf for hypnosis books and a little bit of the third shelf and then the other part of the third shelf are NLP books. That's Neuro Linguistic Programming. And then if I turn left, so I'll pretend I'm crossing the roads, so I'll turn my whole body to the left. And they're my therapy books, like counseling, psychotherapy, you know, those kind of stuff. Uh, on that bookcase. Now I used to have A book collection that was groovy, really good. Not just uh, did I have a lot of hypnosis books, but I had a lot of therapy books, counselling, psychotherapy, all types of uh, you know, loads and loads and loads. Plus loads of books on psychology philosophy so I had probably 600 plus books on you know therapy related stuff now I've got a lot less to be fair let me see if I count them 
So these are just the therapy related like hypnosis, NLP, psychotherapy, counselling. So these these are all I'll count them. So I've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirty, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen. 57, 58, 59, 60, 61. So I have 61 hypnosis books. So again, it's a fraction. Well, everything's a fraction, isn't it? That's a fraction of what I used to have. But what fraction? It might be a really big fraction, or like a little real, you know? Just because someone says a fraction, like, wow, you mean you had loads more? It doesn't mean you had loads more if it's a fraction. Anyway, 61. So now I'm going to go for the NLP books. So I've got 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18. So 61, 71, 89. <laughs> is that right? 61 <laughs> is me being all big and clever about fractions but I can't add up stuff 61, 62, 63, 64, 65, 66, 67, 68, 69, 70, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, so it's 79 so far, see this tiny amount and now I'm just going to try and step over all this rubbish So I can count these books. So it's 79. So these are the therapy books I've got. So 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, 25, 26, 27, 28, 29, 30, 31, 32, 33, 34, 35, 36, 37, 38, 39, 40, 41, 42, 43. So I've got 43 therapy, like counselling, psychotherapy, you know, that kind of stuff. And that's it. That's that's not all the books I've got, but that's all the like therapy books I've got. Now I forget. Is it seventy nine? Seventy nine, eighty, eighty one, eighty two, eighty three, eighty four, eighty five, eighty six, eighty seven, eighty eight, eighty nine, ninety, ninety one, ninety two, ninety three, ninety four, ninety five. 96, 
122 books is 100, 129 more than me which wouldn't make sense but I just used to have lots of books it used to be my hobby you know and you know I'd like to have I just want my books back I want the books that I used to have back and when I moved here four years ago, I had, uh, do I have probably maybe 20 books? So, you know, I did kind of help build them up again. But there's a lot more. Um, so I've got a wish list, an Amazon wish list. Um, and I thought it'd be groovy. I've stuck the the links on my Facebook page and on Twitter, but uh, I suppose I should try and stick it on my website. But it's basically a wish list. It's just books, just books that I I say I need. Obviously, I don't need them, but. I kind of do in the sense of to put stuff into my head and to you know to learn new things and to be reminded of stuff that I already know um, yeah I think that makes sense and you know from a hypnosis point of view I even like reading beginners books on hypnosis and you'll see that there's beginners books in my, on my list my Amazon wish list and you might think why why would you want a beginners book well I'm glad you asked the reason is because partly because I want every single hypnosis book ever and I want it, I want to own them on my bookcase 
because this is my life. Um, but also, every book, I would say, not every book, but a majority of books I've read on a subject, is something to be gained from it. It might just be one paragraph, one line can be worth the book. And also I like to go in from different angles uh, and read the same stuff but written in a different way. And I find that it, I absorb it or I understand it uh, a little bit deeper if it's explained uh, from like five or ten different people from different you know perspectives for example when I took up reflexology and I was studying it I bought loads of books on reflexology and some of the books are really good with the mapping the mapping of the feet the bottoms of the feet and you know the different parts to to like press on and then other books would be perhaps a bit more specific in the history of reflexology and how far back it goes to like ancient times and Egyptian times and uh, and then another book by my it's Andre another book might be written by somebody from an acupuncture kind of background so they go more into the meridian side of things the you know the connections between the different parts of the body uh, and you know the the map of the feet you know the different parts of the feet and then you might get someone that is uh, I don't know, like a, a medical person, like a nurse or uh, someone medically trained who can then go more in depth into the medical benefits and, and in, you know, that could be useful because that's kind of the point of doing it is to help people uh, with medical issues or you know, not just emotional or physical. And then you might get someone that's actually a reflexologist who's been a reflexologist for a long time. And they might not bother with any of that stuff. Might like cover it a little bit. You know, here's the here's the points to to rub into and you know, look out for crystals and you know, crumble those crystals under the skin and and you know that part will stimulate this part of the body and you know all that stuff but they might spend 90% of the book talking about case studies, case histories patients that they've had uh, successes that they've had maybe failures you know things that they've learned from and then you might get another person writes from a per, like a legal perspective somebody that's really more concerned about health and safety and uh, making sure that 
both the therapist and the patient or client is safe and uh, covered legally, you know, by insurance and making sure that all that kind of stuff is taken care of. So, you know, I, that's what I like. I like to have all those different perspectives and it, I find that it's rare uh, to get all of those perspectives from one person in depth because I'm not saying it doesn't happen I've not read every book on reflexology I did read a lot though um, just like I read a lot of books on the Asperger's in the early 2000s and again it's a similar kind of thing you get different it's just a subject I was interested in at the time and with hypnosis uh, you get you've got some people that don't believe in hypnosis yet they teach it but they believe in belief they believe in if the person believes that it's going to help the more that they believe it's going to help the more likely it's going to help uh, some people believe that the more money you charge a customer, a client, a patient in hypnosis, the more likely that they will benefit because they have be you know, invested. The more they invest, the more likely of success. Some people believe in uh, the energy side of it. You know, some people believe in the spiritual side of it, that it's more of a spiritual thing. It's a connection, like an energy, spiritual connection, that we're all connected, which, you know, energy-wise, we are connected. Everything's connected. But different perspectives... So I've got books and I've read books. I've read more books than I've got over the years. But this, and one of my favourite books was by this man. He was Irish. Um, when I mention that someone's Irish or someone's a man or a woman, or it's not, I'm just, I'm kind of reminding myself of who they are so that I can kind of get the information into my verbally to like spur it out he was a doctor who retired so he was a doc I think he was a surgeon in Ireland and he wrote a book I think he wrote one book but his book was about hypnosis and his clients so he did talk about how he did what he did but it was more of a case study book and I wish I still had it because it was a brilliant book and I've not been able to find it online and he basically was in his I think he was in his 90s so he retired from being a surgeon I'm guessing you can retire quite young in that kind of industry probably 50s 
maybe 55 or something like that um, with a pretty good pension as well I'm guessing so I imagine he didn't have to work but he got he was interested in hypnosis and then when he left you know stopped being a surgeon he retired and he decided to do hypnosis because he loved it and he would spend like 10 to 12 hours a day or see 10 to 12 clients a day clients, patients, whatever you want to call them every day like 6 days a week I know that's not every day but I'm just saying it's he worked continuously and his and he, he wrote this book talking about the successes and not just the successes but he talked about you know his experience over like a 30 year period of being a hypnotist or hypnotherapist full time as a second career it was a great book Dr something I forget honestly I need to try and find that book because I'd love to read it again and the reason he said he did it is because he loved it and he felt he was in a hypnosis trance all day long he said it helped his health it helped his uh, mental health his well-being physical well-being and he was happy kind of happy you know all day long because he was he was tranced tranced out and he was helping people and he felt great and he was still doing it in his 90s so maybe there's hope for me maybe maybe when I retire I'll be able to I don't know if I ever want to see people though. I like doing stuff online. Because you reach a bigger audience. Not audience. That's not the right word. More people. Help more people. Which is what I do. What I'm trying to do. And. I could be talking to one person. Of course I wouldn't be doing this. With one person because. You know, people aren't going to pay me to sit there and just talk about my book collection <laughs> that would just that, you know therapy that's a therapy that doesn't exist that type of uh, thing apart from here online I mean there's other people that do boring stuff as well for sleep I'm not the only one um, but the benefit of being online is let's say if I do a hypnosis session for sleep or anything else I could be sitting with one person in the room or I can record it at home put it online and have Maybe for that recording, if you know, have maybe 
600 people listen to it. Maybe a thousand people, who knows? It depends. I mean, over time, tens of thousands over time, you know. But in a short period of time, hundreds within, you know, within a, you know, a few hours, maybe a hundred people might have listened to that recording when only one person would have listened to it ever. That, you know, in the history of that, that hour of me talking only one pair of ears would have heard that instead of you know over the next ten years thousands and thousands of people would have heard this recording this one that I'm doing right now a few hundred people would have heard it by the end of tomorrow if I put it out for 24 hours a few hundred people But, you know, in a year's time, two, three, four, five, ten years' time, tens of thousands of people might have heard just this recording. But if I'd have done that with just one person, just one person would have heard it. And it kind of doesn't seem fair. It's like a missed opportunity. So that's why I do online, because I can, because the opportunity's there, the the facility's there. If the internet didn't exist, I'd be sitting here doing, I'd have clients, I'd have people just in a room with me, but I'd still want more than one person, because, I don't know, I just... I just want to help more than one person at a time. That's why I used to do the group record, the group sessions, you know, 13, 14 years ago. 13 years ago, I used to do group, group sessions, and like in, you know, in a room with people. It just seems more beneficial than just one person. Although, you know, I've done counselling and therapy one on one with hundreds of people as well I suppose over the years that I did it so yeah I like both I just I love offering a free service and helping thousands of people for free I think there's something amazing about that being able to do that, I mean, being having the opportunity for someone like me with no education, well, I, I'm educated now, but leaving school with no education, not getting a degree until I was 40 in counselling, but sort of self-taught myself uh, along the way, really, in the sense of education by reading sort of during my life and then starting to learn hypnosis doing courses and reading and you know watching videos and doing more courses and you know reading more books 
And then the internet came along. And it's like, wow, everything. At that time, not everything was on the internet. When I first started, got into hypnosis, the internet didn't have what it does now. It took like an hour for a picture to come up. You know, that was... Uh, there was times when it was very frustrating. But now, you know, once YouTube appeared, with all the videos, and it just made things more accessible. And, you know, there's so many documentaries on there about hypnosis that I'm going to be watching. That, you know, I'm going to just about getting around to doing it. But I love all that stuff. I think it's the internet's great to reach and help people. And luckily, and I don't know why, I know why from my own perspective, because I'm an auditory person. I like to listen to things, in a sense, more than reading. Um, and more than watching television in some ways. I like to listen, because I'm quite attentive when I listen. I hear what people are saying. That's why I struggle with groups. That's a group of people in a room because I'm I'm listening to every single person, and it's let's face it, it's it's difficult to hear what everyone's saying and understand what the context is. So that's why I prefer like one on one, or better still, just me talking on my own. It's the best scenario because. As Rodney Dangerfield, <laughs> Rodney Dangerfield said in his stand-up concert, he said the good thing about talking to yourself is if there's something you don't want to talk about, you don't bring it up. And that's, uh, that's a good way to leave it. I, I love Rodney Dangerfield. It's, uh, I know quite a bit about him because I studied comedy like the history of comedy and like the especially like in America uh, back in like the 40s and 50s and in the 60s and how it kind of grew and uh, I had this amazing book and it had it just listed and told stories about the old comics you know like Lenny Bruce uh, uh, George Carlin um, just all of them, but you know, all you know. The list is too is just too huge. But you know, Richard Pryor and uh, all the ones that when I read the book, they were already f famous. Some of them were already kind of had been famous and had moved on. But it's a great book. It was like. Uh, uh, like an encyclopedia of American stand-up comedy. The history of it. It might have been called The Last Laugh. Or The Last Stand or something like that. I bought it in 1991. And I don't know what happened to it. 
don't remember what happened to it. I might have lent it to another comedian and didn't get it back, but I might not have done. I did lend it to someone. It's amazing, I've got to remember this. I lent the book to a comedian called Harvey O'Leary and he was an Irish comedian. It's deadpan, very funny, very, very funny. And... Uh, He's one of his jokes, and he's he's not on the circuit. So I'll tell you one of his jokes. Um, he said, "I had a I bought the Joy of Sex, the book, the Joy of Sex, and I was gonna I was gonna follow the instructions." But I gave up in the end because it just took too long to grow the beard. I was in here. See, it's funnier when he said it, but it's like a deadpan voice. It's, yeah. Anyway, it's very funny. I could tell you stories about comedy, but I won't this time because it's time for me to say goodbye. I've gone over time, but. I try and make it 60 minutes, but this is 74 minutes. Um, but it's okay. I think I'll be forgiven for being boring for longer than 60 minutes. So next time I might read out the titles of the books. So thank you for listening, and I will see you next time. And please, if you like what I do, share. Tell other people about it. Hopefully you're asleep by now, but if you're listening for company, you're listening just to a bit of light relief, then, yeah, maybe let other people know. Um, I don't have to be your dirty secret. You can share me. I'm still here. I'm shareable. I'm just a voice on the end of a computer or the end of it you know in your phone I'll still be yours so take care and I'll speak to you next time bye